Good morning, Grace family. Are we the ones that were left behind? We didn't get to go to the lake or Branson. Oh, well, anyway, I'm glad that you're here. Um, we're in the fourth Sunday of our series um, called The Summer Mix. And Zach kicked it off, and I, re I really love some of the, the things he said in the beginning. You know, it's the time where the B team gets to preach. <laughs> I'm okay with being on the B team. But, um, you know, the, the issue with it isn't that we don't have anything to talk about. <laughs> I know. I have thousands of things to talk about. But on the Enneagram charts, I'm a number one. I am a perfectionist. I want that one thing that's perfect, that is going to reach everybody and change everybody's lives. And so it kills me to try to find it, honestly. I mean, I'm being honest. And uh, I would rather the pastor would say, I want you to talk on this. But no. <laughs> he gives us the freedom to talk about whatever we want to talk about. And so um, last Sunday, I was standing here and I was like, um, oh God, oh God, oh God, what am I going to preach about next Sunday? It's my turn. <laughs> talking about fear, so hey. Um... But then the worship team just was singing all these songs about not being afraid and about the peace of God. And I'm like, hey, I am qualified to speak on that. I am overqualified. A lot of times I don't feel qualified to speak to you guys. But I'm like, that's it. I can talk about fear and anxiety because I've lived it and I've been through it. And if you're going through that this morning, I want to give you some encouragement. You're going to get through it also. It's not going to happen overnight, sorry. There's no magic bullet. But today, I hope that I can help you as a believer to know that we can live between the tensions of faith and fear. And not be ashamed, not think that we're less than, we're not more spiritual. I mean, get it together. He says, fear not. Be anxious for nothing. I'm sorry. How does that work? <laughs> but I'm telling you, it might be a process. But I'm going to share some things with you today that I think that will help you because it helped me. And it's not one size fits all, all right? So let's go ahead and start because apparently I'm wasting some time here. <laughs> okay, there should be a gong, really, that goes off. Especially when Pastor Larry's preaching now. I'm going to throw you under the bus. I do it too. Listen, there's seven pages here, but in reality, okay, it's big font, so it's only like three or four. 
Well, listen, I um, grew up in the 60s and 70s. It was the best decades ever. Any baby boomers in the house? Come on. Best music, I'm sorry, best music ever. Anyway, I regress. I lived in California at a time where uh, we didn't lock the doors in our house, okay? Nobody did. We had a little chihuahua named Tiger, which now I look back and say, wow, what a great name that was for him. And um, I remember seeing the glass sliding door just opened about that much so that he could go in and out. And even at a young age, and I just thought, wow, is that really safe? <laughs> you know? But we did it. Our cars were unlocked, our doors were unlocked. I mean, it was a time that we would play as kids in the street until the street lights went on. Come on, anybody with me? Um, also, a lot of us had station wagons. There were five of us kids. Oh my gosh, yes. And we would all pile in the back and there were no seatbelts. How did we survive our childhood? The funny thing is I met a customer I've known for a while yesterday and I got to talking to her and she brought up the fact that she lived in Port Wainimi. And I was like, oh my gosh, I lived there for a while on 6th Street. She said, I was on 8th Street. And do you know that her memories were just like mine, just like mine. And I think what I remember the most from those times was just the freedom, just freedom. I mean, I would hop on my bike or my skateboard, yes, I skateboarded, and I went anywhere I wanted to go, but I had to be home by dinner. Now, when in the summertime, that's a lot of time, okay? And um, I would take the bus and go downtown. I would go see my friends. I would go to the beach, go to Bubbling Springs Park and catch crawdads. I went anywhere, but I just had to be home before dinner. Can you, I mean, if you didn't grow up in a time like that, it was incredible. It just felt so peaceful and safe and almost idyllic. And our parents were crazy because I didn't tell them all the stuff. <laughs> anyway, so, um, it was so funny because this customer said, I um, hitchhiked all the way to Ojai. Um, it was like Eureka Springs, really hippie-ish and new agey. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I wasn't that bad. I just went to the beach. I mean, I wasn't hitchhiking like an hour away. But that was the time we lived in. But, um, it really wasn't that perfect as I thought. So in the 60s, um, we still had, um, well, we had uh, the, miss, the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. And I remember as a five-year-old getting under my desk, and it wasn't for the normal earthquake drill, okay? And I didn't even think, even as five-year-old, I thought, is this really gonna help? <laughs> already like <laughs> in my mind and um, we were getting under there because our nation was on the brink of nuclear annihilation and the president was John F. Kennedy and he was telling everybody to make a family bomb shelter um, 
I remember uh, when he was assassinated. Uh, it's a memory that's so embedded in my soul. I was in the first grade. And I come home from school, and my mom's glued to the TV, and she has tears streaming down her face. And that was the earliest recollection, recollection I had of extreme fear and sadness. And I was six, it's a day that I still don't forget. And so when all this was going on, uh, with the nuclear crisis that was averted, we're still here. <laughs> um, my parents, I would watch them, and I just saw fear. Just fear. Other headlines in the 60s, the Vietnam War was still going on. There was the, um, um, what was that? Oh, the Charles Manson murders. Listen, I'm not going into details, but if you were alive at the time, that was only 45 minutes away from where I lived, and it was scary. It was the stuff, movies, and they did make a movie about it. Very, very scary. And uh, then on a lighter note, there was Woodstock. <laughs> oh, there was Woodstock. Let's move on. <laughs> My friends and I, we were teenagers, and we really thought we were going, right? We were making plans to go to Woodstock, um, but my parents said we couldn't, so I couldn't get home by dinner, so. In the 70s, there was a lot of college campus turmoil. There was a, a lot of protests about the Vietnam War, and the one incident that really struck fear with me that I remember was the Ken Kent State Massacre in Ohio. How many of you know? Oh, just some of us old timers. They were protesting bombing Cambodia. They were unarmed students protesting. Think about it, University of Arkansas protesting something, and our own National Guard began to shoot at them. There was four killed and nine wounded. I was 13 at that time. In 1973, I had classmates that were being drafted in the war, and if you don't think that's scary, it was very scary. And um, Of course, we had Nixon in the Watergate scandal, and we had Roe versus Wade, which was the overturning of the state laws against abortion, and I was 16 then. And uh, so these were some of the scary, I would say, events of our time. Um, but anyway, to lighten the mood a little bit, I remember I was in the seventh grade, and um, my parents sent me to a public school for summer school. I'm a Catholic girl. I go to Catholic school my whole life. But in seventh grade, they said, we want you to go to public school. And I met this little girl that was a Jehovah Witness. <laughs> and so I go visit her. And uh, we're sitting on the street uh, curb, and I'll never forget it. She began to tell me in vivid details about the end of the world according to the Jehovah Witness religion. 
I'm Catholic, I've never heard all those details before. And all I remember was I abruptly got up and almost ran and said, I gotta go. She scared the hell out of me is what she did. I ran all the way home repenting of every sin I ever committed. I mean, I was a good Catholic all of a sudden. You know, today in this generation that we live in, there's possibly even a higher level of fear and terror than even possibly in my own generation. You know, we have terrorism and mass shootings and school shootings and mass shootings and school shootings. and. It just got a little bit close this past week or so, didn't it? Where there was a possible uh, threat to any school in Arkansas, we, it was not named, of a shooting. And even though it was a hoax, don't you know there was a lot of little kids, a lot of children, a lot of teenagers, parents, teachers, that were filled with fear and anxiety. You know, all the what ifs. What if it's our school? What if it's my child? And so, when you look around at all that is happening in the world, or even in your own personal life, do you ever feel like fear is gripping your heart? Thank you for the few honest ones. The rest of you are lying. <laughs> if we're honest, and we should be on a Sunday morning in church, <laughs> just doesn't seem right not to be. We have all faced some kind of fear, whether it's external with what's going on in the world, or if you're facing your own personal demons internally. Fear's been around since the fall of man, and it will always exist until Jesus comes back. It is a favorite tool of the enemy. It's his favorite tool to use against us. And just like in the garden, you know, God told Adam, you can eat any fruit, you know, eat fruit from any of these trees, just don't pick that fruit from the tree of good and evil, okay? The tree of knowledge. Because when you do that, you'll surely die. And now we know it wasn't a physical death, but it was a spiritual death that they would experience. And then they heard God, uh, well, what happened was, and I kind of skipped a part. I don't know. Should I use my paper? Should I use my iPad? I don't know. I got both, just for backup. But anyway, um, Eve ate the forbidden fruit, gave it to Adam, he ate it too. And I could talk about that, but I'm not. And from that point on, everything changed, especially their relationship with God. Because when they heard him walking in the garden, they hid from him for the first time. They hid from the presence of God. And God called out to Adam and said, where are you? And he said, I heard you, but I was, I hid because I was afraid because I was naked. Well, they were always naked. They just weren't aware 
of their nakedness. And now their eyes were open. And for the first time, they experienced fear and they also experienced shame. So fear enters the world back in the garden and from that day on, generation after generation, we feel its effects. So as Christians, how do we live between the tensions of our fears and our faith? Is it possible to navigate between the two? I believe it is, but it's not always so simple or easy, but I believe it's possible. Now let's talk about fear a little bit. Not all fear is unhealthy. For instance, my fear about standing too close to the edge of a cliff is pretty healthy. It protects me, right? From falling over the edge, from getting too close, right? I gotta tell, I just love telling stories on him now because when he used to preach all the time and I had to sit there and endure all the stories about me. So anyway, Pastor Larry, um, he had a uh, quadruple bypass. And I remember, I don't know if it was a year or so after that, we went hiking to Mount Magazine. <laughs> I'll never forget this. He, and it was a high cliff, okay? He was on the very edge, standing on the very edge. The wind could have blown just a little bit. He's so light. He would have gone. Now, I'm like half a football field away, okay? And I'm yelling at him, are you crazy? <laughs> he further aggravated me by sitting down on that ledge. And then he dangled his feet like he didn't have a care in the world. Well, I guess he didn't. He, you know, he came through that uh, quadruple bypass. So I guess he's just gonna test his limits and maybe die from falling over a cliff. I don't know. But I, I never, I just like, are you just like, crazy. And so anyway, um, there's a healthy fear and then there's just stupidity. Okay. <laughs> Pick which one he was doing. Stupid. I mean, I'm telling you, I was livid. Wasn't I livid? I was just like going out of my mind. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> But healthy fears can help protect us from danger, but stupid fears, I'm sorry. I don't even God know if God can help you. But anyway. <clears throat> but when fears begin to shut you down and they paralyze you, you're no longer able to enjoy life or live life. You're going through the motions. You're just trying to survive. You can't sleep at night because your mind is racing and you're so exhausted, but you still can't sleep. Mm, I think it might be a little sign. That's an unhealthy fear. And so um, the thing about these unhealthy fears is that they can cause you to shrink back from living life to the fullest and it can control you. I remember uh, that I was afraid to go 
to certain places or do certain things as a young adult. Uh, I was in a plane one time for a business trip. I was probably 22, I don't know. What was I doing on a business trip? I was going to San Francisco, and we got caught in a bad storm on the way back, and we could not keep circling LAX, and so they said, we're gonna run out of flu, uh, flu. We're gonna run out of gas, so we need to divert to Las Vegas, which, hey, that was fun. Anyway, <laughs> um, I, after that, had an abnormal fear of flying. I did it one time. I think Devin was probably, I don't know, four or five, went to Chicago. But I was scared out of my mind, and I never did it after that until um, probably nine years ago. And um, fear can control you. It can t determine the decisions you make. I mean, you can't even make decisions sometimes, but it will determine what kind of decisions you make. Uh, and it can really rob you of joy. And, and you know, when you don't have any joy and you have depression, you just don't want to keep going. And I think that's one of the scariest tools of uh, the enemy when he brings fear and anxiety and then depression. It all kind of gets linked. You lose your joy for living. And forget about any kind of purpose you thought you had. Because let, let me tell you, when I was dealing with this, I wasn't thinking about my purpose. I was thinking, I want to live. I don't want to die. I mean, I can't just keep doing this. But see, the enemy wants to contain us. We were not meant to be contained. We were meant to be free in Christ. We were meant to be who he wants us to be. You are not yourself when you're dealing with fear, anxiety, and depression. And you're no good to anybody else because you're trying to survive. For me, at times, it was minute by minute. I remember I had this anxiety attack, I thought it was, and uh, he was in Guatemala, you know, I could not breathe. Anxiety can take your breath away. It can take your breath away. You can feel like you can't get that next one. And I remember uh, when this started to attack me, I was probably, oh, I don't know, like 19, 20. And I, uh, you know, running to the doctors all the time, going to the ER. If someone would have said you should go to counseling, I would have, but nobody told me that. But I couldn't get free from that fear. I was a single parent. And by the time I was 25, I mean, I had been living on my own since I was 18, raising her. People looked at me and, you know, I had this great job. Uh, I was one of the youngest directors of this nonprofit agency. And people thought I had it together. Nobody knows the internal battles you're fighting, that you're struggling with inside. 
And if that's you today, man, find someone close to you that you can share that with or a counselor or a pastor. But I didn't have anybody, I didn't think. I thought I was strong enough. And people thought I was strong and never knew I was dealing with it. I don't even know why I dealt with it. My life seemed to be pretty much together. But I'll tell you, it almost took me out. And I want to encourage you that if you're there today, there is a way out. It might not be easy, but there is a way out. And so that's like not even in my notes. So anyway, <laughs> let's keep going. So let's continue to talk about fear. Fear can be triggered by something you perceived as a known or obvious threat, or it can be irrational, meaning it's not based in any reality, but it can still cause you to be anxious and fearful. And the struggle is real for both. Maybe something happened to you, and so you have a fear, like I have a fear of dogs ever since I got a new bike and crashed into a pole <laughs> when I was younger. All of a sudden, then I have this fear, you know, it's based on that incident. But sometimes, like when I was going through anxiety, I, don't, I didn't know where it was coming from. It wasn't really based on anything uh, real. Um, but you know what? Both cause anxiousness and fearful, and the struggle's the same for both. So I'm gonna tell this story about one of my grandsons. I have four grandsons, I'm not naming this grandson. <laughs> but whenever he used to come over to the house, he'd say, Mimi, this is when he was younger, he says, there's monsters in my room. You know, there's a monster under the bed. And I would say, there's no monsters at Mimi's house. Don't be afraid. But you know, even though <clears throat> I would check under the bed, I'd check in the closet for him, and I'd say, don't be afraid. It did not calm his anxious heart and mind. No monsters, but still fear. And have you ever had people tell you that, don't be afraid? You know, Jesus said, or God in the Bible, it says 365 times, do not be afraid, do not fear, be courageous. No, it doesn't say that 365 times I looked. But a lot of them, like maybe 150. So yeah, there is a lot of do not fears and everything. But when someone comes to you and says, don't be afraid, well, you're not the one feeling the fear. They are. And so what helped this little guy was when we just pulled him close. And we said, you know, we're here. And we'll just stay here. So either his papa or I would just say, we're going to stay here until you're okay, until you fall asleep. He didn't always fall asleep. So we just stayed there, took turns sometimes. There's something about knowing that your anxiety, in your anxiety and fear, you're not alone. And that all you need is someone to come close. And their presence alone is what makes you feel safe. 
God's presence is what can make us feel safe. And so what I want to do is I um, turn to John, if you have your digital Bibles or your old-fashioned Bibles or up here. So John chapter 20, verses 19 to 20. John 20, 19 to 20, it's in the New Living Translation. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly Jesus was standing there among them and said, peace be with you. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his sides, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. So let me set this up for you. Um, in the earlier uh, part of that text, um, there we go. <laughs> anyway, so the disciples, get the picture here, are gripped with fear. Uh, they had been with Jesus for three years. He promised them that he would rise again and that they would build a kingdom together. And then they witness his horrible death. They didn't think it was supposed to end this way. And a few scriptures before this, Mary had gone to the empty tomb and she ran to tell Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, which is John who's writing this. I think it's so cute because he also said he outran the other disciple. So competitive. I get it. I so get it. So anyway, he outran Peter. So they went to the tomb and they saw with their own eyes, but I'm not quite sure they believed said that one of them believe John, but I'm not sure because, you know, I can't help but think that they thought maybe this is a trick. Maybe they hid the body somewhere. You know, what if Jesus, you know, what if he did really rise? I mean, we don't know. What he said to us could really be happening. So they were still unsure about what, what was really transpiring. So they went back and they hid behind locked doors. They went to some house and hid behind the doors, gripped with fear. And then verse 19, then Jesus, Jesus suddenly appeared in the room and he said, peace to you. Another translation says peace with you. What I like about this is that, what I like about what Jesus did is that he didn't get down on them and say, hey, you're my disciples, and I told you all the things that would happen, and what's wrong with you guys? You didn't remember. Come on. You didn't remember. Where's the faith? And um, instead, he just said, peace to you. Let me tell you, all those, do not be afraid, be courageous, peace to you, do not fear. I don't believe God is trying to say, oh, you're a bad Christian. Where's your faith? You know, that's the enemy telling us that when we struggle. Like, I'm supposed to be a Christian. He says, do not fear. And why do I fear? I think Jesus knows us so well. That that's why you see it all throughout the Bible, that he's trying to encourage us. Hey, it's okay. Okay. My presence is with you. My peace is with you. Don't be troubled. It's going to be all right. I'm telling you, if you're struggling with it now, 
It's going to be all right. Because Jesus' presence is the main thing. And I'll share my testimony in a little bit. That will help you when you're struggling with fear. But instead he spoke peace to them. He came close to them and showed them the wounds of his hands and his side. Guess what happened? Fear just left the room, left the house. And they were suddenly filled with joy. There comes their joy again. So when you're gripped with fear and you feel anxious, because sometimes they go hand in hand, and you don't know what to do, that's okay. Because sometimes it's not always about what you do. At the same time, I'll say there are things that you can do. When I was going through these panic attacks, thinking I was going to die, I read my Bible. I meditated on the scriptures. I prayed the scriptures. I cried the scriptures. I yelled the scriptures. I worshiped. Those were all good things, great tools. I recommend you do it. Even the yelling <laughs> really helped. <laughs> Neighbors thought I was crazy. But those tools help me. They help me to begin to focus on God and to begin to lean on him, begin to trust him. But there's no, like I said, magic bullet. If I could say there was one thing, if there was just one thing, I would say his presence is all that you need. Let him come close like he came to the disciples. You come close to him because his presence brings his peace. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Whatever the reason... Come to me. Are you fearful? Are you um, anxious? Are you worried? Are you depressed? He's saying, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And you know, sometimes you can't get away to the beach. You know, that's my restful place. That's my happy place. But he is calling you to come and rest with him, be still with him, trust him, get in his presence. He says, walk with me and work with me. I love that. Walk with me. Have a relationship with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I can't say enough about grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. Keep company with me. Keep company with me. Run to me. 
You know, when I was fearful, I wanted to run away from fear, but I wasn't always running to him. Run to him. Keep company with him. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's what we were designed to live freely and lightly. Not heavy burdened with care, worry, and anxiety. Okay. I guess I have, what, five minutes? Um, This part that I'm going to say, listen closely, because you're probably just saying, oh, she's nuts. But anyway, worry, fear, anxiety, and depression can really be a gift if you let it draw you closer to him and to a deeper relationship on him, you know, a deeper dependence. Now, I'm not saying that he gives you fear. That's not a gift he gives. 2 Timothy 1.7, our scripture verse. For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit. Who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. So he, he doesn't give it to you, but he sure can use it for his glory. He could turn it around. Um... I have personally dealt with fear and anxiety on and off from the age of 18 into my early 40s. Thank God it wasn't all the time. It was just in seasons. You know, I told you all the things that I did but I want to also encourage you, you know, my job, I'm, I'm a minister. I'm going to speak to you about spiritual things. Fear is a spiritual thing. I know it's a human emotion. But when you have that spirit of fear and you're in bondage, it's a spiritual thing. But I'm going to say we are three parts in our being. We have a spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. If you need medication, take it. There was a period where I took it. If you need therapy and counseling, get it. Make that appointment. But don't neglect your spirit. I mean, with your body, I exercise. I take supplements. All those things are good. But don't neglect to feed your spirit. If you're going to do those things and there's nothing bad about those, run to God. Run to God first. Run to God. Keep company with him. Let him lead you. Because your process and your journey with this is not going to be like everybody else's. But remember, he's with you in it. He's with you in it. And so um, I've been free from anxiety for about 20 years. Amen. I can't tell you when it happened or exactly how it happened. But I remember the, the process, the journey, when I wanted to give up. And there were always people God was sending in my life 
that encouraged me not to give up. There was words of knowledge that lifted me up. There were scriptures that the Holy Spirit brought to my mind. There was, I mean, talking with a good friend. There was all these things. But the one thing that, that it did, that it was a gift for me, that it drew me closer to Christ. There was times I didn't want to be that close. But this was like a gift. It caused me to run to him, to trust him, to depend on him. And so it strengthened my relationship with him. It was a gift that taught me that God is always with me. Even in the middle of my struggle with fear or anxiety. And he's always with you. He isn't disappointed in me. He isn't disappointed in you. He doesn't love you less. His perfect love is what casts out fear. As you grow closer and nearer to him. That's how you get strengthened. His love comes in. You feel safe. Your faith begins to rise a little bit. Perfect love. He is love. Too often we feel guilty because we feel like good Christians aren't supposed to struggle with these things. But listen, read your Bible. Come on and name me one person other than Jesus. And I think Jesus felt a little bit of anxiousness in the garden to the point of blood dropping from his skin. David said, when I am afraid, not if, when, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. As Christians, how do we live between the tension and fear, between fear and faith? Know that you will always face it, but that you don't have to live in it. And that the main thing that I want to leave you with, because I know I have to wrap up, is that his presence is what true peace is about and will bring about in you. His true peace when you get closer to him and he draws close to you. Would you stand? I'm going to wrap this up. You know, I said that it's a gift. It can be a gift. Don't get me wrong. God's not the giver of it, but he can turn around whatever the enemy is using to destroy you with, right? But in Mark 4, 39, when the disciples were in the boat, you remember that? And there was a storm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? I don't believe it was a rebuke. I think it was an encouragement to say, come on, boys. I've got something more for you. And I need you to trust me. And I'm giving you this gift right here 
Will you use it to depend and draw closer to God and trust him more? Like I said earlier, with fear, we want to run away. We want it to go away. And listen, just because I said that it can help you draw close to him, doesn't mean you stay in it. You still pursue peace. You still pursue his presence. You do what you need to do. But out of that experience, I believe I'm stronger because of his grace. I believe my relationship is deeper than it would have been if I never went through that. But what if that fear and anxiety and depression is something you want to run away from, but what if it's the very thing that can lead you to trust him more deeply and to love him more deeply? What a precious gift. So Father, I thank you that you are that gift. That you are peace. And that we can live knowing even when we are in the middle of that struggle. That you're with us. That you're near to us. You don't love us less. You just pull us close. And there's safety in Christ. No matter what happens in the world or in your world, there's safety in Christ. So, Father, I just thank you right now for anyone that's dealing with that this morning. I want to first th say... He loves you. He's with you. He'll never leave you through it. He'll get you through it. And if you feel like, I don't know if there's someone here that you feel like you not only feel like you're going to die, but sometimes you want to. I came to a point where I thought I was dying. And someone gave me this scripture out of Psalms about, you know, you shall live and not die to declare the mighty works of God. And I thought he was crazy because I wasn't experiencing what I would experience later. But when I thought I couldn't swallow water because I was going to choke, I had had it. I couldn't live like this anymore. That scripture came out of my gut <laughs> and into my heart and mind, and it broke off of me. And I told this story before, I didn't go eat steak. Little by little, healing came where I was able to eat and drink and not be afraid that I was going to choke and die. As irrational as it sounds, that's the work of the enemy. And I just want to tell you, you're not going crazy. For God does not give you that spirit. That spirit of fear. But love. Sound mind. Gives you power, love, and a sound mind. So, Father, I just thank you right now. Prayer team, come on up. And... I just want to encourage you, if that's you 
just want to encourage you to come and get prayer. Get encouraged by someone. Know that you're not alone. And Father, I just thank you for the work that you're doing in all our hearts this morning. Do what only you can do. Peace, I speak to you. Peace by the power of the Holy Spirit. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. It will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. that uh, Pastor Jay just said that I want to help us kind of allow it to sink in. She said that fear, depression, anxiety can be a gift. It's one of those things that I think that our mind, especially if you've been in church uh, a lot in your life, your mind is being, no, it's not right, it's wrong, it's wrong, no. Get out of here, bad. I remember about 14 years ago, uh, I experienced probably the worst experience of my life. Um, you know, it's one of those things, it's kind of a life-shaping experience, right? It's stayed with me ever since. And in that moment, I didn't have much I could lean on. I didn't know who to go to, to talk to, um, how to find help. And Nisa was at Tech um, at that time. So I, I drove over there, and I remember this moment where it's like midnight, and, you know, she came out and, you know, uh, opened the door, and she got in. And it was just this moment where we're like, she kind of entered into the car and she could kind of feel the, just the heaviness, right, in the car. And I'll be honest, I mean, like, she did not have an answer. She didn't have a solution. She couldn't fix it. Um, but there was something about allowing someone into that space with me, someone who was willing to feel it, to see it, to be with me in it. And it changed everything. It changed me forever. That experience of pain and fear was not a gift from God. But in the middle of this fear and uh, anxiety and pain, a gift showed up. And uh, in John 20, 19, the most powerful line in the entire thing, it says this, and, and Jesus stood among them. What in the world? To fear causes us to live behind locked doors. There's some kind of a locked door. There is a, a loneliness that fear creates. We do not allow people back there. We don't allow ourselves to be honest, to see it, to think about it, to feel it. We lock it away and we hide. It's the only way to survive fear if we're not ready to deal with it. And the blessing of this sermon this morning is that the gift isn't the fear. The gift is not the depression or the anxiety. The gift is when we allow God to stand with us in it. And the response of Jesus is, hey, do not doubt, have faith. He comes close. He comes behind the locked door and he comes close to us and he knows exactly what we need. His response was, hey, you shouldn't even have to touch me. You should have faith right now. His response was, here, touch it. I'm real. I promise I'm not a ghost. It's the same person. You saw me die, so here, feel it. My hands, my sides, my feet, it's me. You can trust me. I'm here. Here's why you can trust me and have faith in me, because I will never leave you alone. 
I know what you need to trust me through this and I'm going to meet you in it. I know we've gone, we've gone along this morning, but it's important. This needs to sink into you. This is what faith looks like. Part of, of having the faith to walk with God through life is allowing him behind the locked doors of your fear. Be honest. Here is where I don't trust you. Here is where I can't go any farther without you showing up in this way to be with me in this. I need you to show up here. I need you to stand with me in it. It's one of the ways that we are promised that God meets us is in each other. As silly as it sounds, it sounds like a cop-out. We don't have the physical body of Jesus here right now that we can touch and, and see and hug and cry on. But he gives us the extension of himself. The broken, cut up, wounded expression of himself. That'd be you. So the prayer team is here as we dismiss. If you are living behind locked doors of fear, the challenge for you is to let God be with you in it. And the way that actually looks in practicality, it's not just a prayer, it's not just an emotion. Come, let God be with you in it by opening up, sharing this with human beings that the Spirit of God can move through. So we invite you to come with us this morning. We are willing to be with you in that fear, that pain. Father, we just pray for the courage this morning to walk between the tensions of faith, of trusting you with all our hearts, but not hiding from our doubts, our pains, our fears, our insecurities our worries, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. We're not going to hide behind the locked doors of those things this morning. We're going to allow you to meet us in the middle of them. In Jesus' name, and everyone said,